Well, last week we began a new uh, study that we're calling Danger Strong Currents. Uh, it's a study in which we hope to take a little bit of time and look at some of the major undercurrents, the, uh, the powerful trends and ideas at work in the world today that are pulling people away from where they need to be, oftentimes pulling Christians away from where they need to be. Trends that threaten to drag you off course, some of which threaten potentially to drag you off altogether. I can still remember um, being at the beach as a child, playing out in the ocean with my dad. I still remember. And, and, and we played for a while and looking up to where you know, my mom and our stuff was supposed to be, and they were not there. And, and how incredibly unsettling that was. And uh, my dad kind of explained to me how tides and currents and undertows worked to, to, to pull us down the beach without us ever actually recognizing it. And then he pointed way, and I mean way down the beach, to where my mom and our stuff still were, never moved once. And, and I was shocked by how far we had moved from where we thought we were without ever even recognizing it. Ocean currents are powerful forces. Some of them can be downright dangerous. And the same is true for many of the currents at work just under the surface of our world. And we want to talk about that over the next several weeks. As you're able, would you stand with me uh, in honor of the Word of God? Just kind of get us focused and moving this morning. And we're going to read once again Romans chapter 13, verses 11 and 12. Romans 13, 11 and 12. I hope you're working on memorizing Romans 13, 11. There's a scripture memory card in your seat again this week to help you with that. But let's just read this together. Romans 13, 11 and 12. This is what the Bible says. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord, and, and, and you may be seated. Now, if you've been looking at these scriptures for the last week, and I hope many of you have, you don't have to read this passage very carefully uh, before you recognize it has an awful lot to say about the reality of the end of time, the coming end of this world. In fact, much of the power of these words rests directly on that reality. When Paul says in this passage, understand uh, we t speaks here about understanding the present time. He's calling for discernment in the age you're in, but he's also trying to press the point that the time you have on this earth is shorter than you think it is. And that time is running out. You need to understand the present time, Paul writes, not just to better navigate this age, but also so you can know your place on God's current timeline. This world, this life, and your time in this world and this life have a very real limit. And when the timer goes ding, whether for this entire creation, or maybe at that moment just for you, when the timer goes off, you're going to move. Ready or not, like it or not, from this life into the next. And so the Apostle Paul is pleading with you in this passage to understand the present time, to wake up because the hour has come. 
And why do you need to wake up? Wake up, he says, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. You need to wake up because the end of all things and the beginning of all things made new is closer now than ever before. Every day that passes before the return of Jesus brings you one day closer to the return of Jesus, to the judgment of this world, of the fullness of the kingdom of God. Understand what time it is, Paul says. The hour has come to wake up, Paul says. Our salvation is nearer now, Paul says. And still he goes on. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Paul is plainly setting his remarks in the context of the end of this life, either at the return of Jesus or at your going to him. And he's gone to great lengths in these two verses to put that reality, that your time here is limited, to put that reality front and center. Time keeps moving on. Time keeps running down. One day soon the buzzer will sound and time will be up. Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. And based on Scripture, I can assure you, that's going to be one heck of a day. On the one time, it, on, on the one hand, it means seeing Jesus, the fairest of 10,000, the bright and morning star, the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world, the rose of Sharon, the lover of my soul. On one hand, it means seeing Jesus, the bridegroom to whom I have been betrothed, the one for whom I have been anxiously waiting. And on the other hand, it means seeing Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Word of God, the Holy One, and the final judge of all the earth. On that day, I will be welcomed by him into the glory of God's kingdom. And I will be called to stand before him to give an account for the life I've lived. To give an account to him for myself, for my family, to some degree, for you. Whether that occurs at my death or upon his glorious return, the truth of the matter is every day, that day gets a little bit closer. There's no more time to lose. There's no more time to waste. Every one of us in this room is one day closer to standing before the master face to face and giving an account of our lives to him. So as you consider the time you have, the time in which you live, recognizing that the time is short, you should ask yourself the question, how should I respond to this present time? And actually, the better question is, how does God want me to respond to this present time? And I want to suggest this morning that as a good, conservative 21st century evangelical Christian, you might be surprised by the answer. When we look again at those verses from Romans chapter 13, it says, or Paul says to us, wake, wake up. 
the day is almost here. So, what does Paul say we should do? Wake up, the day is almost here. So, Paul says, you need to get out there and do your thing and take control of the U.S. Congress. That's, um, actually, that, that, that's, not, that's not quite what he says. He says, it's time to wake up. The day is almost here. So, you need to get out there and do your thing and evangelize the whole world. Oddly, that's not what it says either. So what does Paul say? Paul says, wake up, the day is almost here, so let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let's behave decently, as in the daytime. Not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The Apostle Paul says, it's time, wake up, the day is almost here, and you need to make sure you are ready. Paul says, wake up, the time is almost here, Jesus is coming back, or perhaps you're going to him. You need to make sure your life is in order. Remember last week I pointed out that these verses from, Revela uh, from Romans chapter 13 are simply the continuation of a thought begun by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Wake up. The day is almost here. You need to offer yourself to the Lord. The next verse, Paul goes on, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Wake up. The day is almost here. Stop acting like the rest of them. Offer your body to the service of God. But listen, in this present time, I understand that's incredibly hard to do. There are so many currents tugging at you, pulling at you every day pulling you this way, pulling you that way, demanding that you look over here and give your attention to what's over here until the next current along comes along and pulls you over there, demanding that you look over there. In this information and media age, the present time in which you live, the truth of the matter is it is simply impossible for you to keep up with all of it. I'll be honest with you, for years I was super frustrated trying to lead uh, this congregation while also trying to acknowledge and, and, and responsibly everything that was crying out for attention. Everything that demanded attention. Have you spoken out yet on racism? Have you spoken out yet on human trafficking? Have you spoken out yet on the water crisis in the third world? Is our church going to acknowledge Earth Day? Is our church going to acknowledge Heaven Day? Restore the Temple Sunday, Month of Prayer for Muslims and Jews, the National Day of Prayer for Lost Pets, the Global Week of Prayer for Bunions and Hammer Toes. And one thing after another, after another, after another, constantly, constantly being imitated by the 6 o'clock news and by Christian organizations all over the world scheduling things that they insist you should be doing in your church this week. I kept getting inundated with this good thing and that good thing and this emergency and that emergency, and I finally realized if I allowed it, I could let the 6 o'clock news and a vast array of global Christian organizations dictate every single thing I said, every single thing I thought, and every single thing we did as a fellowship. And to be completely honest with you, 
Some of you live there. That's where some of you are. You are yanked moment by moment, multiple times every day by the currents that are screaming at you from your phone, from your television, and from your computer. You're pulled back and forth from one news cycle to the next to the point your focus is totally determined by the politicians and the news outlets you trust and the folk you follow on social media. Listen to me. We were called to follow the Lord, not the urgency of the news cycle, not some parachurch ministry industrial complex. We serve God, not trends. And if you can hear this, we serve God, not needs. There are always going to be more needs than you can possibly meet. There are always going to be more needs than you can possibly keep up with. If you are drugged from place to place, from moment to moment, by the needs you see on the news or the needs you get in the mail from this Christian organization and that Christian organization, the needs that fly into your, your inbox, uh, the needs that pop up on your social media feed, you will be exhausted. And you will look up one day and find yourself way, 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 way down the beach from where God wants you to be. The currents in this hour are strong and they're often dangerous. So I'm going to close this morning by giving you five tips on how to, how to survive strong currents from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association. <laughs> These guys are pretty wise. Tip number one, do not panic. No matter how strong the current you find swirling around you, no matter how many currents you, you find swirling around you, no matter what you see going on in the world, no matter what you see on the 6 o'clock news, do not give in to fear. Do not give in to panic. There are way too many Christians way too anxious today. And the only way that can happen is by focusing more on the currents than focusing on the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 8, verses 11 12, the Bible says this. The Lord spoke to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. He said, do not call conspiracy everything that these people call conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear, and do not dread it. Talk about a plain call to not be conformed to the pattern of this world. This world is angry, it is confused, and it is frightened. And so to navigate this hour well, you must do better than that. You must not give in to anger, confusion, or fear. Tip number two, swim with a buddy. The idea here is very simple and very biblical. Any one of us, every one of us is capable of being deceived of being misled, of getting caught up in the moment, of getting caught up in our emotions, of, of getting caught up in some fine-sounding error. So regular, meaningful connection and community. Honest, intention, connection, and community with other saints from this fellowship becomes a safeguard for you in that regard. You need to pursue that community and that connection. You need to join one of our community groups, one of the groups that, that, that uh, um, were mentioned earlier. You need to set a regular breakfast date or a regular lunch date with somebody from this fellowship that you trust. 
that you believe you can be honest with, you believe would be honest with you. And it's Stefan Eichert and Bob Angel used to meet for years, every week. What, 6.30, was it? 6.30 at Landmark, something like that? For years, checking on each other, encouraging each other, strengthening each other in the Lord. I have multiple gatherings every week where I'll meet with one person or three people or five people to talk about our lives, to talk about what's going on, and to share together in the Word of God. When Jesus sent out his disciples, he sent them out two by two because, frankly, that was smarter than sending them out on their own. As King Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls down and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You need community and connection in your life. And if you don't have it, you need to begin to pursue it and work on it. Tip number three. Swim near a lifeguard. Friends are fantastic. Um, friends are awesome. Friends are important. But some currents are so strong, some currents are so tricky, that you really need the help of a seasoned, experienced, uh, more specialized companion. Someone who's called and anointed by God for that particular work. I'm always grateful when people come to me or Pastor Matt or one of the elders with, with challenges or problems or questions or confusions. It's important, and you need to do that. But i got to be honest, I am a little bit concerned that in this media age, some of you are spending too much time listening to and being discipled by celebrity lifeguards. Do you know what I'm talking about? And to be completely honest with you, sometimes those guys are the ones leading you into dangerous currents. Now, I can't deny the very real benefit of the preaching and teaching you have access to now over the Internet. But it is something of a problem. If you are more influenced and more discipled by Kenneth Copeland or Matt Chandler or Bob Goff or whomever than you are by your own church. So please, learn everything you can. But when you encounter things out there that don't quite line up maybe with what you're hearing here in your home fellowship, Check it out. Ask questions. Bring it to the elders. Bring it to the pastors. Trust the lifeguards God has assigned to the beach in which you find yourself. Paul's words to Timothy here uh, might help. He writes in 2 Timothy 3, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance. See, the point is Timothy had been around Paul. He hadn't just heard Paul. Uh, he hadn't just listened to his podcast. But he had been around Paul. He'd seen him function. He'd seen his life. He'd seen his character. And so a few verses later, Paul adds, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. Like it or not, believe it or not, you need lifeguards in your life. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. But that does not negate the need for lifeguards. And those lifeguards need to be, whenever possible, people whose lives you know. Tip number four. Learn to recognize the danger signs. Rip currents in particular are, are the most dangerous of currents in the ocean. And, and, and oftentimes, although they work underneath the surface, oftentimes they'll show signs on top of the surface. You're less likely uh, to be pulled away by the dangerous currents of this hour uh, 
the more you're able to recognize the danger signs. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul exhorts believers not to be outwitted by the devil, adding, for we are not unaware of his schemes. The more you can recognize the signs of error, the less likely you are to be pulled away by it. And finally, this last tip may be the most important one I share with you this morning. Primarily because it is so completely countercultural, so completely counterintuitive to this present moment in time. We live in a coarse, an angry, a polarized, and combative time. And, uh, and so I share the fifth tip with you. At least when it comes to rip currents, those most dangerous and powerful of all ocean currents, one of the most important instructions out there is tip number five. Do not fight against the current. Rip currents typically form around or after storms during periods of upheaval and turbulence, and you are living in a period of upheaval and turbulence. They're powerful, fast-moving currents that have the capacity to drown you or to sweep you way out to sea. And one of the very worst things you can ever do if you find yourself in a rip current is to try to fight it with all your strength, to get into a power struggle with it, to try to fight against it, to try to overpower it, and swim your way back to shore against it. Listen, in the world of forest fires, fighting fire with fire may be good advice. But in the life you've been called to live in Christ, that's almost never good advice. I beg you to listen to me on this point. Just a few verses before the ones we're looking at, in the very same context that we're considering, the Apostle Paul wrote this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And Paul concludes this thought with these words. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now let's be clear. This does not mean you should give in to the current. It does not mean you should agree with the current. That's something you can simply never do. It just means don't get into a shouting match with the current. And don't try to defeat it by sheer force. Please, 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 do not address the currents of this world with the tools of this world. Do not address the currents of this world in the spirit or in the power of this world. Power politics, raw, bare-knuckle power politics, are not the biblical response to carnal currents. As the Apostle Paul explains in another letter, though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. And I would suggest it is equally true, we do not fight, we do not fight currents the way the world does. According to the Bible, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. They're way, way, way better than that. The weapons you're supposed to fight with have divine power. Literally, in the Greek, they are empowered by God to demolish strongholds. And we're talking here about weapons of prayer. Listen to me. Self-sacrifice, 
laying down your life for others, uh, uh, taking abuse and forgiving, not responding, not retaliating. We're talking about these weapons, the weapons of godliness, the weapons of Christ-likeness, the weapons of God that are mighty through God, empowered by God to tear down strongholds. The ways of this world are not our ways. The tactics of this world are not our tactics, and the attitudes of this world must not be our attitudes. So yes, you can. Yes, you should. And yes, you are called and equipped by God to overcome the currents at work in this world. But you are not called or equipped to do it like the world does. You must instead do it God's way. As Romans 13:11 begins, you must do this. You must do this understanding the present time. You must offer yourselves as living sacrifices. You must not conform to the ways of this world. You must put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. You must abound in the fruit of the Spirit, in love and joy and peace and patience, in kindness and gentleness and, and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and, and self-control. You must lay down your life for others. You must love in action and in truth. Instead of yelling and at and fighting against the currents, you must learn to swim across them. Not right back at them, but across them. That's the way you escape a rip current. If it's pulling you this way, you don't push yourself that way. You swim across it. You do the opposite thing until you're free and can't get home. We, rather than fighting and yelling at currents, we need to learn to swim across them. Never giving in or agreeing with them, and yet never being drawn in to their way of operating. In the coming weeks, we'll take a peek at just a few of the powerful currents threatening to sweep people away today. And as you prepare for that, I pray that you take the time to rededicate yourself to the Lord, to recommit yourself to be that living sacrifice. Steph, where are you? Uh, 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 to be that living sacrifice. I pray you take time this week to ask the Lord, Lord, where have I conformed to the pattern of this world? How am I functioning? Like, how am I thinking like everybody else in the world? Am I afraid? Do I fear what they fear? Do I dread what they dread? Am I walking in faith? Am I walking in peace? Am I walking in joy? Am I walking in righteousness? Because that's the fundamental call of God. Recognizing the hour in which you live, the fundamental call of God is not to react to the hour in which you live. The fundamental call of God is to press into Jesus. And to come, become more and more like Jesus. By the way, it's the same fundamental call of God on every age and every time. Because God, God's not worried about what the world is doing. He wants us doing what he wants us doing. So uh, I encourage you to, to, to do that. Uh, to recommit yourself to the Lord, to his kingdom will and purposes, to his way of doing things. To recommit yourself to be as much as you know how to be with the help of the Holy Spirit and the power of God, a living sacrifice for him. Now let's pray. Father God, as always, we thank you uh, for the power and the clarity of your word. Lord, um, it's not always scintillating. It's not always titillating. But it's always true. And it always comes to us with the power of God. Father, we thank you that you show us in your word who it is and how it is you've created us to be. Lord, we live in a time of turbulence and upheaval. Our culture is going mad. 
Well, the currents are more powerful than we've ever seen them and more numerous than I suspect they've ever been in the history of the world. We need you. Father God, as your people, we need you. We need you to navigate these currents well. We need you to live in this present time, constantly looking for the day that's to come, recognizing the day is almost here, living for your glory and for your pleasure, living as your people. Help us do that, Father, in Jesus' name. Help us do that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.